Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Transit Authority, the official podcast of the American Public Transportation Association. I am Narayana Sundram, APTA's Senior Director for Engineering and Commuter Rail. We have a great program for you today. Our guest is Stephanie Wiggins, Chief Executive Officer of Metrolink. I want to highlight that it is Black History Month, and Stephanie Wiggins is the first Black and female CEO in Metrolink's 26-year history. A human-centered leader, Stephanie, you direct an agency that operates a commuter rail network on seven lines across a six-county, 538-route-mile system. Prior to Metrolink, you've held high-level positions at three of the five-member agencies that comprise Metrolink. Our topic today is Positive Train Control, or PTC, past, present, and the future for commuter rail. Stephanie, welcome to the program, and I'm excited to get your thoughts on this important technology and what the future holds for commuter rail. Thank you, Narayana. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Stephanie, um, kicking off, I, I really wanted to ask a few questions and get your perspectives on, you know, positive train control, uh, the safety aspects of positive train control, as well as futuristic aspects as well. So, as you know, safety is a core value for the commuter rail industry. Traveling by commuter rail is 18 times safer than traveling by automobiles. And this number is only expected to become better with full implementation of PTC. Metrolink was one of the first to complete PTC on the commuter rail side. What were some of the biggest obstacles to implementation of PTC and how were they overcome? Well, Narayana, PTC was and remains a very technical challenge, one that our team met and achieved, as you noted. We're proud of their accomplishments. But before we get too technical, I want to make sure I make the point that the whole purpose of why we implemented PTC is to save lives. When a person enters our dispatching and operations center, we have the original bell from the cab car 617 on display right near the front door. It's the actual bell taken from our train 111 that was in the head-on collision with the Union Pacific freight train on September 12, 2008. The inscription on the bell is never again. It's a somber reminder and in memory of those who were lost at Chatsworth and has served as a motivation for the serious efforts to improve rail safety and PTC that our team has undertaken. It was important for me to acknowledge that because I don't want that to get lost as we talk about this important transformative element for the industry. But turning to your question about some of the challenges, I talked to the team, and as we reflect on some of the challenges, I think there are three main categories. First, our biggest challenge in taking on PTC was that software maturity was a big issue when we first deployed it. We had to work closely with all of the railroad partners in the Los Angeles Basin, that's Union Pacific and BNSF, two Class 1 railroads, as you know. Then we also had to work with Amtrak and North County Transit District. Collectively, we had to embark on joint testing and efficient use of our resources to create these solutions with vendors, by the way, which were very limited at that time and were in high demand as they are today. So together, we had to improve that software quality and the maturity of the software. And lab testing for Metrolink was extremely helpful because it allowed us to create specific scenarios without the need to use trains in the field 
to test out uh, the software. So that was an obstacle that we had to overcome collectively. I think another obstacle was beyond the software itself was actually the installation and verification of the PTC equipment. And we had to do that while both the freight trains and the passenger trains were still operating. So we had these partnerships with our vendors and our freight partners, and those partnerships are really critical to navigate the logistics and interoperability obstacles. You know, communication, communication, and more communication was the key. The testing had to take place on numerous nights and weekends to minimize the disruption of a live operating environment, particularly on our passengers. We also needed to be transparent with our customers on the testing. So there were a lot of challenges um, testing uh, the software in a live operating environment. I'm happy to say we're doing much better today than we were early on, but that was a, a huge challenge because obviously safety is the top priority and we needed to all feel comfortable, the LA Basin partners, that the software was communicating in the proper and accurate way to ensure the trains could stop if needed to. And then the third biggest challenge was a funding one, which typically is with transformative mega projects, which I believe PTC should be considered as a mega project. But this was an unfunded federal mandate. We had to work quickly with our member agencies. For us, the capital program budget was $232 million. We were able to get federal, local, and state funding sources, but it was a challenge, so much so that we made this our sole focus with the support of our board to get this deployed as quickly as possible. And we had to defer some state of good repair projects to cobble the funding together. Nevertheless, it was a great investment. It's, as I've said on LinkedIn, commemorating the um, completion for the industry at the end of last year, that this was a watershed moment for us and has truly been pivotal in Metrolink's success today and in the future. Stephanie, thank you. I think uh, I completely agree with you. When industry achieved uh, full implementation in December 2020, I think that was definitely a watershed moment. You know, the industry collectively spent $4.1 billion in the sense, just the commuter rail side of the industry spent $4.1 billion. So could you talk a little bit more about funding for not only implementation, but also what impacts it has had? I know you alluded to it a little bit with respect to putting aside some state of good repair projects. Could you tell us more about it? Well, what we have learned is that PTC is not just a project or, as I've said, a mega project that is started and finished. It's really part of our train control system that needs to be updated and maintained on a continuous basis. So really the delivery approach was less of a design build, but more of a design build, operate, maintain. You know, Metrolink's first D-bomb, so to speak. So that's important because we did not just have to identify a capital investment impacts our operating and maintenance budget and has increased it. It right now accounts for about three and a half percent of our annual operating budget. This is software that continually needs to be monitored, updated, and maintained. It can maximize its effectiveness. So that's been really key. As an industry, we have talked to our federal partners and really have seen some positive 
understanding of the need for this supplemental funding to assist commuter rail operators in particular with the ongoing costs associated with the program. Stephanie, thank you so much for explaining some of the obstacles, the challenges that Metrolink went through for implementation of PTC and how they were overcome. Could you also outline some of the safety concerns that are not addressed by PTC? Sure. Well, the most significant that comes to mind is really outside of the PTC envelope, and that is the pedestrian and vehicular strikes at our crossings and trespasser strikes along the corridor. You know, those strikes still happen. They're tragic, each and every one of them. And the PTC system is not able to address those strikes that occur. I think another area of safety that we're always being diligent about is PTC does not have uh, the ability to really detect the state of repair of the railroad. So PTC will not prevent a derailment due to a broken rail or wheel or damaged switch or bridge. And so the state of the railroad itself, as well as trespasser strikes, those are significant safety concerns that we as an industry, and Metrolink in particular, are truly focused on addressing. I, Metrolink, talk about our rail vision zero. We want to have zero incidents on our railroad, zero accidents. And you know, I'm grateful that PTC fully implemented has already completed one aspect of our rail vision zero. We are even further committed to getting to a system where we have zero strikes on our railroad, working with our partners and the larger community. And of course, the state of good repair is also a major initiative that quite frankly, working with APTA and our federal partners, it's really important to advocate for funding for the industry for state of good repair. Thank you, Stephanie. I think that is, you know, something that on the APTA side, we've been advocating for as well to, uh, you know, make commuter rail eligible for uh, PTC operations and maintenance funding and a, a very vital topic, as you know, as you pointed out. I guess one one thing I would like to pivot towards is, you know, uh, would, um, what are your thoughts on on industries learning uh, as as industry has implemented full PTC, you know, going from uh, initial listing of PTC on the NTSB's most wanted list to a congressional mandate, and then you know, ultimately the full implementation of PTC. Well, again, I think PTC has been transformative for the industry, and we are a better industry as a result of the federal mandate. I do want to acknowledge NTSB's long, hard-fought effort in championing this technology for the industry. Also, um, for us, Senator Feinstein was instrumental in really getting uh, federal support behind PTC. I think, you know, we had, as, as an agency, we committed to PTC early on because we had firsthand experience with placentia as well as Chatsworth and other types of incidents that could have been prevented with PTC safety technology. So it was incredible to have really unfettered leadership and support with our board, as well as our member agencies and supporting us moving forward with this initiative. I think one of the reasons PTC is transformational beyond the fact that it saves lives 
is that it really unified the whole railroad industry. We had to come together in an unprecedented fashion for collaboration because the shared nature, the tracks, signals, and trains that required the system to be interoperable, not only with our railroads, who we who immediately connected their system to ours, but also railroads across the nation, since railroads interchange and lease each other's locomotives. So now, with PTC implemented, all interoperable railroads must move as a single unit and continuously be updated in real time when needed software or configuration file changes take place. That requires constant communication and coordination, and it demands all of the operators, whether they are the freight operators or the passenger rail operators, to have to have a better understanding of what's going on with the other operator. We can no longer work in silos. And I'm telling you, anytime you can remove silos, you have a better product and a better outcome. And that's what we've seen with PTC. You know, configuration management has been a big boon for this industry. And it's been a big benefit to our day-to-day activities. It really has manifested a culture change. You've got to vet out any changes. You've got to discuss them. You've got to analyze them. And they have to be executed in a methodical manner, which involves all the parties and not just any one department, because lives are on the line. And so Metrolink and our success with PTC and being one of the four passenger railroads to complete full implementation prior to the 2018 deadline, it's evidence of what can be accomplished when the organization, our board of directors, our member agencies and our freight partners and passenger partners in the basin really have the same goal alignment and we have the vision to improve safety industry-wide. I just can't underscore how beneficial it has been for this industry. And I think by design, PTC has an added functionality for our train crews that benefits the entire industry. They interact with that system on board the train and it adds that layer of safety and redundancy that train crews can leverage for their day-to-day activities. And it really has helped the industry not only work together and communicate more, but now we can communicate and brainstorm collectively of how we move to the next level. Let's take a quick break, and then we will continue our conversation with our guest, Stephanie Wiggins. Did you know that APTA conducts peer reviews for its members on a broad range of issues such as operations, safety, organizational efficiency, and more? Even in the COVID-19 era, our peer review program is able to assist by offering virtual options. Visit APTA.com and learn more about this valuable member resource. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Transit Authority. I'm Narayana Sundaram, and I'm joined by Stephanie Wiggins. I definitely agree a new definition for being tied at the hip, but a lot of positives that have come out of it as well. Stephanie, um, I know Metrolink has been running with PTC for the last two years um, because you were um, conditionally certified in uh, end of 2018 itself prior to the extension that Congress granted. Let me ask you this. What goes into maintaining PTC? And how much additional cost do you incur when compared to pre-PTC era? 
PTC has evolved as a routine part of our everyday operations. And as a result, it requires an annual investment. Um, today, we estimated at $8 million to support. The railroad network is never static and it's in a constant state of change. So we have to be in a position to accommodate these changes efficiently and effectively. Really, there's no other way to do it. So there's a lot of lab and or field testing, as well as proper monitoring and verification that has to take place for proper oversight of the system. So it's about three and a half percent of your project capital cost is what I what I estimated it, you know, eight. Um, and I believe you had said uh, that the project itself was about two hundred thirty two million dollars. Um, yes. So about three and a half percent of your project cost. How has PTC changed operations in the sense, would a commuter notice any of these changes? We really think a lot of it is seamless to the commuter. I mentioned earlier that in the early phases of testing, before it was deployed officially, they definitely experienced it because there were delays associated with it. But really, the bugs of the system after two years, those have been worked out. And really, it's uh, truly seamless. And it's a rare occurrence if we have any related train delays that are related to the PTC system. So one of the opportunities is the benefits of PTC that have accrued to our customers is that we are able to leverage the data that's generated from PTC to actually provide a GPS-enabled digital map so customers can find out exactly where their train is at at any given time. And that's an opportunity to leverage the PTC technology to create an end-user product that actually makes the customer experience even better. So that's an example of the benefit of PTC indirectly that the customers have seen. I guess you mentioned configuration management and the software challenges that PTC has brought on. And I, I assume that this has this has implications on your workforce. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, not just not just the talent that you had to bring on, but also going forward, how is the workforce changing on the railroad? Well, overall, you know, it's a been a beneficial change to our culture, it, improving our use of technology and data, and providing transparency throughout our system. With the interoperable railroads, we have organizational synergy that we didn't have before. You know, PTC is a system of systems and a, a lot of data and input combined with many components of hardware located at countless locations can impact the PTC operation. So our departments have to work together diligently and they have to become more aware of each other's changes to determine how they can impact each system. It requires our railroads to internally follow diligent configuration and change management practices to assess the impacts of these changes. And then, as I've mentioned before, that testing and coordination. It's changed PTC under the hood, so to speak. Uh, the changes are from the operator's point of view, the train crews, dispatchers, and mechanical. By design, PTC has added functionality for the train crews, and PTC has added a braking algorithm for warnings and enforcement. So when PTC was first deployed, it required the train crews to become accustomed to the algorithm to be able to operate the train without PTC enforcing the brakes. There has been a lot of positive changes on the railroad, it seems. Could you talk also a little bit about 
how operations and maintenance of PTC has been incorporated into, into the railroad as well as the organizational structure? Well, essentially, the railroad is now a database. The PTC and train control department was a group formed in about 2009 at Metrolink to, that focused on the delivery of the PTC program and integrated into our existing train control systems, facilities, and operations, including our signal, comms, network control centers, and customer information systems. But today, the operations and maintenance of PTC is really embedded within the operations department and the integrated digital and technology services departments. So what we've done is we have basically five key groups that oversee the O&M of PTC. We have a onboard train control systems group, a communication systems group, a technical services group that focuses on the configuration change management. And then we have the signal systems rehab and maintenance group that was the legacy group that was there before PTC. And what I recently did is I realigned out to our IT department, our integrated digital and technology services department, the network control operations group. These five groups work together to oversee PTC for us. They work in partnership on all the major components of our train control system, and they're headquartered in our Pomona campus. And, you know, it's an illustration, at least for Metrolink, how it has transformed our organizational structure. Because again, pre-PTC, we had the signal systems and rehab and maintenance group. And of course, now we've expanded with this supplemental group with PTC. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, really good points there and, and really great perspectives as to how Metrolink has adapted to uh, operating and maintaining PTC. Stephanie, before the break, we talked about you know what experience Metrolink has had vis-a-vis PTC, but let's pivot to the future of PTC and what it holds for commuter rail specifically. So a question that I have is, Uh, What improvements could be made to PTC and what are Metrolink's aspirations vis-a-vis PTC2? Well, Narayana, that's a great question. You know, with all technological innovations, we build from what was created previously. And I appreciated this podcast topic at this time because it's Black History Month. And we're learning more about the precursor to PTC which was invented by Granville T. Woods. He was an African-American rail pioneer. We're profiling him as part of our Black History Month campaign. He revolutionized telegraph technology in 1887 by inventing the synchronous multiplex railway telegraph. And that's similar to PTC today. It was a precursor. His innovation helped train dispatchers, locate trains, and allowed moving trains to communicate with each other by telegraph. And it made public transportation, rail, and streetcars better and safer. And we're extending his work as an industry. And I bring him up to say that we recognize that technology is always advancing. And with PTC, we're finding ways to leverage that data and functionality to help optimize operations and maintenance. So as an industry, we're working on leveraging PTC to minimize headways between trains and allow more trains to operate without having to build more tracks. Can you imagine the opportunity there? 
not having to deal with potential right-of-way takes, not have to deal with, um, you know, some of the construction impacts and schedules if we're able to leverage technology to get that additional capacity, that, again, would be transformational. One of the things that we're working on here at Metrolink is integrating PTC with early earthquake warning systems. I don't think you get so many of those in D.C., but here we get too many of them. And if we can actually be part of the shake alert system and tie our train system into that, it, again, provides an even safer train system that we're providing in the Southern California mega region. And another enhancement that's being looked at to leverage PTC is really to eliminate or reduce time with grade crossing activations that result in vehicles and pedestrians waiting for trains that are located downstream of a station. We've got an active project right now, be a new innovation for us, a near side station with a rail extension project that we have underway as part of our system, and it would minimize impact to vehicular traffic. So those are just three examples of, you know, how the industry is looking at how do we move and advance and build upon PTC because it's really opened up so many other potential efficiencies to make not only the system safer, but more productive. Stephanie, could you expand more on the throughput considerations? Um, I know you talked a little bit about it um, to say, you know, we could probably shorten the block and reduce the time issue in terms of the time that it takes to uh, pass or have a train operate through a particular section. What kind of time improvements would you be looking at or would Metrolink be looking at uh, in the future? Well, I'm not aware of the completion of any time studies on complete time savings. What I know in a railroad, there are minutes that turn into hours, that turn into days of transactions and activities that are manually based, that if we automated them, could really save time. The time to pull a track bulletin, et cetera. So our freight partners are actually really leading the technology and the research on this. You know, I'm hopeful that our federal partners, FRA in particular, will continue to be open to these types of innovations and allow those to be piloted to really see if they create the desired outcome without compromising safety, because we know that's foundational. But it's just really exciting about the prospects of this being a true way to improve throughput using the PTC technology. Stephanie, thank you. The technology holds a lot of positive possibilities for the future, and uh, we look forward to you know PTC improving railroad operations in the future, not just from a safety perspective, but also uh, from an operational perspective as well. Stephanie, pivoting towards you know procurements, are there additional costs that PTC has added on to procuring rolling stock? Well, sure, uh, Narayana. PTC does add to the costs when procuring rolling stock. And you know now that PTC is fully implemented on all of our territory and fleet, new rolling stock has to be equipped with PTC by the time Metrolink actually receives the unit. So if it is a new design or unit type, it 
requires PTC to be tested and commissioned on that new rolling stock before we deploy it into revenue service to ensure that PTC is, again, working reliably as intended. And so because we want to be prudent and not compromise safety, it does add additional time, cost, and resources for the commissioning process before the unit is actually deployed into service, revenue service. Stephanie, thank you for going through some of the new and exciting improvements that Metrolink might be making in the future, as well as working with our freight partners. Let me also ask you this. Are there any future impacts that riders can expect from PTC vis-a-vis an easier commute or, um, or, or any of the other you know, technological improvements that, that we can provide to them? The industry as a whole is really working to look at all aspects of our railroad operations, both from the freight and the commuter passenger perspective. So we are identifying ways in which we could leverage PTC to optimize those train operations and provide even further safety overlays. PTC provided a basic interconnected digital platform that we use to safely control the movement of the trains, you know, similar to like the first iPhone. But now with that basic platform in place, we can leverage the investment to refine and add more capabilities. You know, now your iPhone has multiple apps. So we are in the infancy of looking at that opportunity. One of the major milestones that we had here at Metrolink is we got our permanent spectrum license from FCC. That was a long time in the making. And why that is so pivotal for being able to actually improve the customer experience of leveraging PTC. It allows the growth opportunities in the technology now that we have the um, permanent license from FCC. So I think you should stay tuned for that. I do also want to acknowledge the work of APTA and the Commuter Rail Committee, really serving as a forum for all of us to get together to talk about these issues and really ensure that we continue to work as a unit and are thinking about how to advance this technology for the common good and benefit of our passengers nationwide. Thank you, Stephanie. I I really appreciate the kind words you said about APTA and and the associated committees. Really excited to see what the future brings in terms of improvements for for our riders, for the commuter rail industry, and what technological improvements we can bring to them as well. With that, we're just about out of time. But before we say goodbye, I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Transit Authority, APTA's official podcast. And of course, I want to say a special thank you to Stephanie Wiggins, CEO of Metrolink, for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Narayana. 